0: What's up, Podcast World? Welcome to episode number four of Real Chicago the Podcast. Today we have Super Stoly or Stoly or Stoly, I don't wanna butcher your last name. <laughs> Stoley. Um Yeah, so I hope you enjoy the interview. Um Stoly is a musician, performer in the Chicagoland area in Chicago. She's been here for many years. She's bouncing back and forth between Mexico and Chicago nowadays, Um, heading out for the winters. We have cold Chicago winters. And I hope you enjoy the interview. So this um, podcast was the first podcast interview I did with um, FaceTime. So the sound was a little off. I tried to uh, fix it up a little in post-production, but... um, yeah it's still a little off but i hope you enjoy the interview anyways and remember to uh, follow me um subscribe um give me five stars it helps me move up into ranks and i hope you enjoy the interview all right bye Welcome to the Real Chicago Podcast. Today, my guest is, um, can you introduce yourself? <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Hi, I'm Stoli, also known as Super Stoli. My real name is Rebecca Stolinga, but nobody calls me that. I'm a musician overall, performer, artist, uh, but mostly I make music for adults and children.
0: I will say your last name again.
1: <laughs> Stolinga.
0: Stalinga, um, what, what, um, where does that come from?
1: My dad was born in the Netherlands
0: in Amsterdam. Oh, oh cool! So it's Dutch. Oh wow! It's it's a good conversation already. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, all right, so the, uh, the podcast is real Chicago, and I want to have real conversations with the real Chicagoans, and I know. I know you through um um hanging out at Lizards and Lizards is a bar, local bar in the old neighborhood or the neighborhood. And I knew you through playing uh with Side Pocket, but let's back up a little. Um how long have you lived in Chicago up until that point? Uh
1: well, I moved to Chicago right out of college, so that was back in year 2000. I actually did uh, an urban studies uh, program my last semester of college in the spring of 2000. So they had us put up in apartments. I actually lived on the Gold Coast. I'll never live there again. can't afford it. But um, we lived in these old apartment buildings, and then our classes were in Wrigleyville, and then we had internships all over the city based on whatever our art focus was but it was like visual artists musicians dancers so it was like this whole arts program so anyway that's when i moved into the city and i you might want to cut this part out but i just moved sold my condo and i'm living with my mom in wheeling but i still feel like i'm a chicagoan but i'm kind of back and forth between chicago and
0: puerto vallarta (laughs) <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine because I know I'm gonna interview people that don't live in Chicago anymore. Um, but I guess the whole thing about this podcast is the experience of living in Chicago. So, yeah. so you you definitely check that box. Um, what What program were you in? Did you say that they put you up in those? Yeah
1: associated colleges of the midwest that's who ran it and it was called the chicago arts program and i don't think it i don't know if it exists anymore but the building we were in was demolished a few years ago i was like oh "Oh no my school (laughs) but you know Wrigleyville's getting all rebuilt and yeah getting all fancy
0: all right how how did you get into that program What, what kind of how did you fall into that program or what happened
1: junior year, I went to study in London, England, oh, cool. and brought my guitar, and I started playing in the, the subways there, in the tube, and started getting gigs for the first time, but I was only 20, but since the legal drinking age is 18, I can get in all the bars, so I was getting bargains. Cool. so when I came back to Chicago, or went back to my school, Illinois Wesleyan, downstate in Bloomington, Illinois, I just was like, I need to finish school, I need to get in a city, because that's where I'm going to be able to perform, and so that's why I was looking for some sort of urban studies program, or you know, spring semester that would put me in the city and focus on my art. So I found this program, and there were um, students from a bunch of different colleges in the Midwest. So there were only a handful from my college that went there, and yeah, we we learned how to ride the the CTA subway system, like, learned how the whole grid system of Chicago, which I love. um, The L? And the L, yeah. And we had to, each of us had to pick a lateral street and start, I think, at the lake, Mm -hmm. and then start walking west, and just, like, the project was to show how the neighborhoods change as you move west. On the street, so yeah. I picked, I think it was Chicago Avenue, and literally walked it from the lake probably all the way to like Humboldt Park, you know, Western yeah. or so. And I remember seeing this like boots shop, uh-huh. you know, like the country I,
0: boots. I know Al- Alcalas. <laughs> I think it's called Alca- I'm sure it's still there. It, it is still like there. A
1: big, big store.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, that was, it was like the best introduction into Chicago specifically but you know I'd already done city living I just come off living in London England so I knew about riding trains and like street smarts and stuff but that class was so focused on the vibrancy of Chicago and I my internship well I interviewed at uh oh my gosh help me with this it's a rock club on western um, empty bottle? Empty bottle. So I interviewed with Bruce, who is the owner or is, I don't know, for an internship there. And I interviewed at the Old Town School of Folk Music and at Bloodshot Records, which just closed down like a couple years
0: ago. Bloodshot, that's um, the one on Irving, right?
1: Right. They were. But I think they just dissolved a couple years ago. But mm-hmm. I ended up interning at Bloodshot. Um, because I wanted to work behind the music to learn how to run my own career. Yes. And, um, they ended up hiring me on when I graduated. So, that's that was my first job in Chicago. Was working at a record
0: label. Wow, that's pretty neat. Um, uh, so, fast forward to I guess. Um, uh, how did you put together uh, a side pocket? Um, I I we we'll, we we'll, we'll kind of bounce around. There's really no like linear um, yeah. questioning, but we'll bounce around. Oh,
1: that's cool. Well, I was thinking when we were going to be talking like about the different ways my music career shifted yeah. over 20 years
0: in Chicago. Okay, yeah, let's let's do, let's let's do that. So you you're interning at uh, Bloodshot, and then um, what was the next step in your musical uh, career?
1: six years mostly part-time and what were you doing there Um, exactly
0: were you like uh
1: uh, at first they hired me on to do radio promotions and mostly it was college radio so i was talking and i had worked as a dj in college at my college radio station so that was like i knew what they were going for yeah and then, but over my time there, I, I actually launched their MySpace page. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's putting a timestamp on that. Oh um, yeah. I Early,
0: 2000s. Early 2000s. Early 2000s, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh my God. And uh, let's see. So then by the end of it, I was doing mostly publicity and more for bands that were on tour. And then I also kind of had, I've worked for another company called Call Girl PR. Um, also in Chicago, and and the owner of that company, uh, Amy Lombardi, was also the manager for Nico Case, who's still got a big career going. And so that was, I was just learning how to run a a music business, and so then I ended up doing all my own publicity, booking my own tours, and the nice thing about working part-time at that label is I would tell them, like, I want to go on tour for a couple weeks, and they would let me take the time off Cool. And do it. And it's you know, I was playing mostly coffee houses around the Midwest and stuff, but they knew what I wanted to do and they were able to support it, which was a beautiful thing. Um so I was doing mini tours and I was also playing a lot of colleges at the time. So those were actually all over. Sometimes I would fly to a single gig and play at a college and fly home. Oh, and oh. I don't know why I ever stopped doing that because those were the best paying gigs I ever had. <laughs> and I just was so, I didn't know what I was doing. I was new in my career, so. Yeah. Um, but let's see, then uh, switching out of the publicity jobs at both of those companies, by now I was running open mics. Um, it, it started with Murphy's Bleachers okay. um, behind Wrigley Field. Yeah, right I know there. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that w I'm for like 40 years, <laughs> Yeah. Um, and it had a lot of success, because I, I knew what I wanted from an open mic, so I gave all of that into it, and we built up a, a following like really quickly, and it was steady, and to the point where I ended up starting three other open mics, I was hosting four open mics a week, this is like 2005, 2006, and uh my friend Scott and I—you probably saw me and Scott the acoustic sideshow at Lizards. We would play there sometimes.
0: I don't. I don't remember that now. <laughs> I started hanging. I started hanging around Lizards around like 2013, probably. Yeah,
1: I mean, him and I still play occasionally, but. Okay. We uh, we mostly played bars in Wrigleyville, like the Iron Joke, and. Gigs, we would play close to DePaul, and uh, so now I'm playing gigs like two or three nights a week and hosting open mics four nights a week. So I left the PR jobs, and then that that was like 2007 when I consider I became a full time musician. So I was working for myself, and since 2007, I've been making it up as I go, but being a musician full time in different capacities. Oh wow!
0: Okay. This is a really fun reflection on my career because now I'm like, what did I do after that? Oh, yeah, then I did that. <laughs> I, <laughs> and the, well, the, I'll the, the, let you ask a question. No, no, no. It and that, <laughs> that's what it's all about. You know, I, I, I definitely want to know, like, um, your experience, you know, in Chicago. I mean, this is all good stuff, especially, like, uh, naming all the bars and... Oh, your baby. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's totally that's the whole point of this podcast. Is like, I love that you're mentioning um, uh, the bars and yeah. the locations, and it's funny because you just brought a baby. We're doing face, we're doing a FaceTime, my first FaceTime podcast interview, and slowly just busted out her baby. <laughs> and it looks like she wants me to bust out my boobie. I'll do that on her face. <laughs> what, what, what's what Her name. Her name? This is Emmaline. Yeah, it's a girl. Emmaline. Oh, cool. Hi. Hi, baby.
1: She's going to be one on Thursday.
0: Hi. Oh, wow. happy birthday, have... baby. Oh, it's been a year already. Wow.
1: <laughs> I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> well, this is a good segue into my next chapter. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I'm doing open mics and gigs and stuff, and I'm, I'm also trying to book gigs promoting my original music which I had started now recording and releasing so I played like some of my regular spots were like Shuba's The Elbow Room which is no longer, Gunther Murphy's which is something else now um,
0: Jub Jub Club you know there? Never. across the street from Kingston Mines on Halstead uh, I know where Kingston Mines is but I didn't know there was a <laughs> Jub Jub Club yeah, it's,
1: it's not there anymore Girl Bar <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah i mean that that's i was just trying to make it you know play gigs promote the gigs do my pr my publicity but uh 2007 when i became a full-time musician that's kind of when i was like all right i cannot be in the bars seven nights a week right. until 2 a.m and then go into
0: the late
1: night bar. Yeah. You know, I was like, I gotta flip my schedule. I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> so I was like, what kind of work can I do that would still keep me playing music,
0: but? Yeah. Do Do you want to? Uh, <laughs> we We can stop this, and we can you know continue another time. That's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. The back. yeah. <clears throat> baby, we went to this event yesterday.
0: Yeah.
1: In Buffalo Grove for for kids, like a Halloween event. Uh huh. And she's a baby, right? But there are all these like high school kids who were um. In costumes and handing out candy, and the kids had to say, trick or treat, yeah. and then they give them a piece of candy, and then they just walk to the next person. She's one. She's not eating candy, so now I got this stash of candy, and I'm so
0: stoked. Oh, nice. Looker. <laughs> uh, okay. I hope that doesn't make you uncomfortable. Um, a little bit, but I'll be all right. <laughs> okay. Um. I know attention to the baby under the blanket. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so basically what brought you to Chicago was your music career, right? I mean, that was the draw?
1: Yeah. Well, I grew up in Deerfield, Illinois in the suburbs, the north suburb. And mm-hmm. that, uh, then my, when I left college, my mom was in Buffalo Grove. Um, so I just, I was like, I need to go to the city. That's what a lot of, kids
0: do, I think, when they're done with college, is go to the city. Well, w- was Chicago your first and only choice, or, I mean, you did go to London, I think it was, but... Yeah, um, I
1: think it was just an obvious choice to, like, be near my family, but then still be in a metropolis where there would be more opportunity to play music. I mean, I, w- I would play sometimes, like, did you ever go to Dirty Nelly's in Palatine? No. It's a... It's a big bar that used to not be big, used to be really dingy, and then they rebuilt it. But that was a place I played pretty 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 regularly. and uh, you know, just acoustic covers. It would, would be me solo, which I did a lot of, but then I, I had a couple bands going on. and anyway, so then I get to this point where I'm playing music late into the night. And i am just got to flip my schedule. So I'm like, what can, what can I do where I can still play music, but in the daytime? Oh, I can play for kids. And I came into work the next day at Bloodshot. And my boss, Nan, was like, I told her about this idea. And she's like, that's so funny, because I literally had a dream about you last night that you were singing for kids. So I was like, okay, here we go. So then uh, I just started trying to do it and playing whatever covers I had that seemed more appropriate for families and i
0: got us set at some event going on at the hideout is the hideout still around i believe it is is that the one off of uh,
1: elston yeah
0: i think I, I i know i haven't heard anything like that stands out but i think they're still there there's a lot of businesses that's that kind true. of went down with the pandemic but um, yeah but yeah but i know what you're talking about
1: still around go to it's just in the middle of like industrial park right um but that was a big venue for bloodshot because they do a lot of country country acts and um so i got i was booked for a part of this show for like families and i met Jeannie b who's a kids musician in chicago and had been doing it a long time and she sent me an email after the gig and she was like hey great set I don't know if you're interested in doing more of this, but there's a lot of work out there, and pay is good. And she became my mentor, and we've been friends now for fifteen years, a little more than that. And uh, that's kind of that was the encouragement I needed to hear to pursue it. So now, kids' music really has been my focus for the past
0: fifteen years. Um, original stuff, ish. original stuff, and yeah, and well, classics. That's the beauty of kids' music is I can. Play
1: my original stuff kids don't care as long yeah. as they're having fun uh, <laughs> and so I'm able to write kids music I have, I have six six albums out of kids music and um, and then alongside of that so the past 15 years I've done a lot of music teaching and preschools um, private music lessons guitar and piano I was working for a DJ company for a while where I would also play live sometimes for a
0: cocktail hour and
1: then I would DJ the dance floor.
0: Cool. iPod DJ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 right, dial. just twisting the little dial there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, and um, so you're doing, you, you kind of, it's like another branch in your career is just basically doing like children's sets or music? Let's back up a little. So, um, did you know right away that you were going to be good at music, or did you have to work at it? Like, making music, performing music. Like, how did you get into music, I guess this is the question. Um, I, I think I asked you this question okay. before a long, long time ago. But not a long time ago, but a while ago. And you kind of mentioned that you yeah, were... Let, let me... Yeah, you you said, uh, I think you started at your church or something? Oh, okay, that far back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess when I was five or six, uh, at the end of a church service, I ran up to the front, and I just was plunking on the piano, because I was like, what is this thing that makes these sounds? So my parents signed me up for piano lessons, and... I took lessons for like eight years and then when i got into junior high high school i joined choirs and started teaching myself guitar when i was 16 and then my last um my senior year of high school this was like uh it's one of the turning points but i auditioned for the the musical which was bye bye birdie my senior year and Thinking, I'm a senior, I'm going to get a lead role. Yeah. But I had also told my choir director that I was interested in going to college for music ed to teach music. So I didn't get a lead role. I got assistant music director. So like under her. Yeah. And I cried because I was like, this is my chance to have a big role on stage. But this has also been my, like, my biggest fighting... Like... I want to be on stage, but I also want to control everything behind the scenes. So it was a good opportunity for me to learn to be in a leadership role that wasn't a spotlight role. And to be honest, like I did go to college for music ed, and I have done a lot of preschool teaching. I've taught these private lessons. So a lot of what I did go to school for has supported me through my career, but I also have been in the spotlight a lot, which is... You know, that feeds my, what do you say, my Your extrovert. soul. <laughs> <laughs> the, the two sides of me. I mean, my left brain, my right brain, however you want to say it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but then when I was in college, even my freshman year, that was, you know, a couple years into playing guitar and writing songs, my, my own songs. So my freshman year, like, I had this huge following of freshmen who would come to my gigs at the coffee house because I was, like, the rock star on campus. You know? <laughs> yeah. I had my head shaved. Oh, really wow. soccer. I was always, like, wearing these crazy outfits, like, vintage clothes. Yeah. And I went to this small liberal arts college, so <clears throat> I would promote my gigs. I'd print out my flyers and talk about it on the radio show. So I feel like so many of the things I've done in my life in Chicago and beyond is always, like, teaching me how to how to run
0: the show and the show's always changing I mean you you started interviewing me at the beginning of this conversation so <laughs> <laughs> it's like you it's like you just you just I, I get it because um there's times where uh I mean like now with the podcast um I'm basically learning from scratch with the little also but also with the little knowledge i have of like you know music production and recording and all that um but i think i want to stay in control you know through the whole like uh time of this podcast because i want to be the person that you know i guess kind of uh i don't know uh runs this, you know, I, I get that, you know, you want to be in control of it because I feel like once, once you, you stop being in full control, like you almost like, uh, you, you, there's a lot of unknowns, you know, and I, I just always have to know what's going on. Um, so, uh, fast forward, um, you're in Chicago. Um, you know, getting gigs started with the um, uh, with the making a record label. yeah record label. Um, do you remember your first band name? Like legit, uh, legit band like where you're <laughs> performing and you.
1: Play along, but there I played with my same drummer that I had in college, lived in Chicago, so he was my drummer for a little while. And then, um, and then a, somebody I met became the bass player, bass, uh, not a Facebook friend,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: not back then.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. So,
1: our it wasn't the best name, but we went by Stoly and the Russians because people <laughs> used to always be like, Oh, Stoly, you must be Russian, like the vodka. And I'm like, yeah, but no, I'm not. But people always thought that. So our band name was Stully in the Russians. Huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's whenever I had a band, it was always supporting my original music. So I never had any other name.
0: How, how many bands have you been in? How about that? Like more than 10, 20, 15...
1: I mean probably about a dozen or so but usually um, like I've had a couple uh, cover duos like with my friend Gina we went by Gina and Stoli mostly but before that we went by the G-Strings I had a band with a gal named Gina Gonzalez who still plays um, we went by Gina and Stoli but before that we went by the g Strings. <laughs> which, which <laughs> that was funny and then yeah. I mentioned my friend Scott Schaefer, we played, we still play in a duo called the Acoustic Sideshow, and we did a lot of colleges, and we did a lot of bar gigs. and then, uh, oh, I won't remember the year, but probably around 2014, 15, I met Kat McDonald at my open mic at Murphy's Bleachers, and she is uh, like an improv comedian and writer and also musician and uh, we became friends and we started a group called Side Pocket and that's who you saw at Lizard's
0: right okay interesting to see see, like
1: her and I played that was like my next wave of bar gigs so uh, even a couple of those places have closed down (laughs) okay what was Windy City Inn which was right by Western and uh, Irving Park just mm-hmm. east of there. We played a couple
0: of St. Patrick's Day gigs over there, and they've since closed down. I know a lot of places have just closed, folded. Um, it's sad, but, I mean, it is what it is, right? Um, um, so you're doing gigs. Uh, okay, so we're around, you said, like 2014, right? um, um Whatever I mean I know I know you ended up like just recently, um, like heading to Mexico and playing out there. What what led you down there? Yeah. Um.
1: So, <clears throat> I I had bought my condo in two thousand seven with my sister in Chicago. Mm-hmm. A year later, less than a year later, she moved out and. A guy I was dating moved in, and uh, we were together about six years, and at the end of that, I was really just starting to revamp some of my Spanish learning um, after we did a trip to Cancun, and we broke it off, and I was just like, I need to change some stuff in life. I'm going to go have an experience and really just learn Spanish, and I want to do a, you know, a, a program, an immersion program. So I went to Guadalajara, nice. studied Spanish, this was in January, 2015. And then I visited Puerto Vallarta on the Pacific ocean side. And I was like, this is everything I want in Mexico. I can practice language. I'm on the beach. It looks like I can probably get some gigs here. And so then by the next fall, I had sold a bunch of stuff, sold my car. You know, I um, yeah. like, closed off the gigs I was working on and just saved up some money so that I could float myself through five months yeah. away for the winter. And I went to Puerto Vallarta and I found a lot of gigs. I found a lot of work. People responded to what I was doing. And so now I've been going down there the past five or six years.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, it's escaping the winters of Chicago, which That's we don't right. need to talk anymore about that, everybody.
0: <laughs> and in guadalajara so you're familiar with guadalajara i'm guessing like downtown area and
1: yeah my classes were
0: in the in the downtown like near the big square have you been there of course i i used to we used to go like every two years throughout my life oh, so where's your family from well my family's from zacatecas um and the little town little pueblo called tabasco Tabasco, Zacatecas, and we, my, when my grandma came, when my grandparents came to Chicago, they lived in Chicago for, I don't know exactly, how, more than 20, 30 years, but then when they went back to Mexico, they, they got a house in Guadalajara, so um, we would hang out at their place uh, when we were in Mexico. And so I mean, like I, I have a lot of family in Guadalajara. I have uh, my uncle like lives in the house. My grandparents lived in Guadalajara. Um, so um, Tabasco Zacatecas was actually it's a three hour drive to Guadalajara. So it's not cl- it's not close, but it's like the like the the busy city the big city that's closest to I guess, so, I mean, that's my connection with Guadalajara. Um, um, Let's talk about, real quick, uh, no, really no segue for this, but, um, so, how did your parents end up in the Chicagoland area? Like, how did, because I, I, I do ask that of, like, all, and people I interview, like, how did your family end up in Chicago, you know, area? How did, how did your... Do you want to talk about that? If not, that's okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, my... Uh, let's see. My mom was born in Cincinnati. And her first marriage brought her out to California in the San Francisco Bay area. Okay. My dad was born in the Netherlands. His family uh, came to the United States when he was just 12. 14. They came on a boat across the Atlantic.
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I'm not sure how they got to Chicago, but that's where they landed. Uh-huh. My dad and his older siblings and his mom and dad. But my dad had a friend in San Francisco. He was visiting who set him up with my mom. Um. Um, after she her first marriage was over. So yeah. they met in California and then brought, you know, came back to Chicago where my dad's family was from. That's what they decided on. I guess my my mom's parents moved her up to Chicago. So she's been in Chicagoland ever since. Not downtown, but...
0: Um, yeah, where... where in, did they live in Chicago? Like like in the city uh, limits? I think when they got married, their first home was in Deerfield. Okay.
1: Um, and then after they were married and had me... No, then they moved to the house where I was born into. Also in Deerfield, not far from that. So I grew up those you know first eighteen years of my life in Deerfield. And then by the time I was done with college, my parents had split up, and then I moved to Chicago. So and I visited Chicago a lot through high school, but mostly just going to the vintage
0: secondhand thrift stores looking for vintage clothes. <laughs> So, we called it. <laughs> so you're um you're familiar with all the, the the good thrift stores right they had all the good stuff
1: well they, the chain i think they've been picked over for all the good stuff <laughs> all the good
0: stuff is now triple the price on ebay it's funny because growing up um we would we might we would go to the thrift store a lot like my mom that's where we got a lot of our clothes at the thrift store and yeah. um we used to we used to think that it stunk, like it smelled a little funny, so we we call it we used to call it the fuchi store. Uh, Fucci, Fucci. Yeah. So fu- fuchi uh, is kind of slang, uh, you know, Mexican Spanish slang for like stinky. Stinky, yeah. So from the, from from when we were little, you know, to now, whenever we say the fuchi store, everybody knows what we're talking about. Um, That's hilarious. So they do have a, a smell though. There's it does And they all smell like it. Right. I think it's the like, chemical wash those clothes. Yeah, well, I think it's the chemicals they use to um, dry clean that stuff because yeah. uh, all the thrift stores have these huge washing machines in the back and I think that's why they stink that way. Uh, it's probably the chemicals. Um, th- is there any one gig that stands out like good or bad? Um, that you know, you're like, geez, you know, that was great, or geez, oh, that was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to talk about the horrible ones. I mean, they're always one funnier, though. Okay, I'll just say this there was one particular children's show, actually,
1: there were two, where I was so hungover, I thought I was gonna puke, <laughs> and I had to sing for kids. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. That, that's Long
0: gone, yeah. But
1: uh, those those were a couple tough gigs. But no, but I had some. Uh, let's see. I got booked to play at the Pritzker Pavilion for a lunchtime gig. Now this is this huge outdoor amphitheater yeah. in Millennium Park. Yeah. And there were probably only twenty people listening, like <laughs> spread out in the seats.
0: Yeah.
1: But to be on that stage <laughs> was amazing. Yeah! Yeah! Totally. And, uh, I do know after that gig there was like some dad and his daughter in town from Florida and I left such an impression on her that she emailed me like months later or he did like she just loved your show and I mean that's that's what makes a gig good is when the reaction is amazing you yeah,
0: know Yeah yeah
1: um I for my 2008 album for grown-ups called Between the Fake and Real I put together a huge CD release show and had like an eight-person band back me up, like mostly friends, but we just, you know, rehearsed all the songs, and I rented out this kind of black box theater space called The Viaduct, which was on Western, but where, remember Western used to have the overpass, and now that it's knocked down and it's figured out now, but it was a mess, but... Yeah. underneath that overpass there was a place called the viaduct yep, I, know and I rented that. it out hired people to run the merch and like that's in the midst of doing my open bike days so I had so many musician friends who came to support and, and we just had this big show in this unique space that was probably one of my favorite gigs uh, because of all the work that went into it, mm-hmm. you know, event planning
0: and celebrating a new album. Um, that place is still there, right? The, I think I, it's still there. I don't know. I think it is. If it I, is, I don't know if it's the same thing. But. Right. The baby's asleep now. <laughs> <laughs> it's time, yeah. <laughs> um, uh. So, okay. So, Um. Me, I mean...
1: CD release? Well, that wasn't in Chicago. I won't talk about that. That was in Puerto Vallarta.
0: <laughs> no, you could talk about that. Oh, Why not? It's, it's, it, it's part it of your just life. My
1: last album for grown ups, I did, again, another big CD release at a theater um, that had just opened in Puerto Vallarta. So I approached them and I said, I'm going to be one of your first shows. And they didn't know who I was, but I already had this following. And so we had a sold out show in a theater that wasn't ready. There were things popping out of the floor, but Um, that's become one of my beloved venues to play at in Puerto Vallarta. They had, um, there was a flood or a hurricane a couple months ago that caused the rivers to flood. Yeah. And so they are in reparations right now because the entire theater was flooded. Oh,
0: shit.
1: Yeah.
0: Are you going back anytime soon?
1: We are, yeah, in a few weeks we're going to go down for the winter and I don't know how much I'm going to play because things are different with COVID and because of the hurricane and me because of being a mom like I'm not out of the house as much as I used to be
0: Yeah.
1: so everything's changed I mean that's that's the beauty of being in a big city like Chicago is that there's so much opportunity and as much as you know we're talking about so many venues that are no longer but that's how it goes Yeah. things are there for as my mom would say a reason and a season <laughs> and, <laughs> and and things change and people aren't looking for that kind of venue anymore like you know with social media so many things have changed yeah and i mean i I'd, I'd be interested to see what it's like for a singer songwriter like i was 20 years ago in chicago like what are the 20 year olds doing now
0: yeah. and they're out there art? they're out, they're out there right
1: Because I used to, I used to go to Kinkos and print out postcards and chop them on the cutting board, and then that's what I would like send out for my mailing list. Huh. And now it's all just like order online, and then yeah. they do. You know, I'm yeah. not sure kids now aren't even doing print media. It's cool. just all like follow me on Insta,
0: all right? Me. And
1: TikTok. Oh my God, I'm not even touching TikTok.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but see, the, I mean, that's what's this, you know, all this internet is, I mean, it's, it's, it's the internet's time to shine because the whole point of the internet was to be able to communicate online, you know, and to be able to do that kind of stuff. And the pandemic kind of forced everybody to, um, you know, use, use the, Yeah. yeah, use the internet to their advantage. And I mean, it's definitely going to shape the up and coming musicians for sure. Because I mean, for good or for bad, because they're not going to have all that experience that you had, you know? Um, do you think, you think, how do you think they'll be? I mean, how, what's, what's your perspective on like, you think they'll be all right or, you know?
1: <laughs> well, I think in any industry there is possibility for success or failure and it just, is based on whether or not you're reaching your audience or your clients, your customers, whatever it is. And I've had to make a shift in the past five years even with all the social media stuff. And I don't know that I'm doing the best job, but I'm doing the best job I can do. And I think where new musicians are going to shine is that they really get it and they're fast at it and they see how it can be, how it's going to evolve. Going forward, where it's for me, like I I come from the, this more brick and mortar musician area, but mm-hmm. I've had my own success that I'm sure musicians who were born in the '60s are like, wow, I could have never done that because I'm, you know, this old school way. So it's all just about shifting with the times and with what's working, and it's been really fun actually over 20 years to see how the industry has changed and how solo musicians are still getting paid the same amount. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: interesting for sure. And disappointing. I mean, it's, I mean, we, we live in a, you know, capitalist society, you know? Um, so I mean, like, like for example, um, my podcast, um, it's just, you know, interviews, um, so I'm not, I don't think it's going to be because like, there's like when I, when I registered this podcast, it was, um, it, you know, the name was free, you know, that nobody had used a real Chicago name, but in like looking it up, I saw a bunch of Chicago realtor, like, you know, property, you know, uh, podcast. And I was yeah. like, what the hell? But, I mean, there's obviously, like, in, like, there's a draw for that. People wanna, like, you know, they wanna listen to podcasts about Chicago Realty, I guess, you know? So, I, I and it, I mean, do you think that the pay hasn't changed because there's almost like that's what musicians will accept or because, um, There's just kind of like a a mean like there's a meanness behind it where, they just don't want to pay musicians you know x amount of dollars. Did I ask that correctly? Like, yeah, I know what
1: you're getting at. I think it's I think it's about because there are always new young inexperienced musicians jumping on the scene Mm -hmm. that when, when okay. When what i'm getting paid isn't enough and i ask for more that place can hire somebody for this lower rate who's less experienced but good enough for what they're looking for so it's like you pay for what you get so they don't want better better they don't want the experienced musicians they just want this level this entry level okay
0: I can but, see that.
1: but even entry level at any other job has still gone up with inflation right but and even the price of a beer has doubled in 20 years. Yeah. But what a musician's getting paid hasn't. Maybe the tips are more, but maybe even not. Maybe people still think a couple of dollars is a good tip.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Susie and Susie and I we we're, I think we're pretty good tippers for musicians. Um I, I mean, but I mean the whole tipping thing too, you know. It's like um I so I I went to um the north and the south side of Chicago are like two completely different cities. Um yeah. do do you remember any gigs on the south side of Chicago? No, right?
1: <laughs> so um maybe like
0: private birthday parties in the yeah. suburbs
1: south of Chicago, uh, but no, like city proper. Uh might have been like one of the some museum or something or a cultural center yeah down
0: that way um but i mean there's
1: just i don't know maybe there's a bar scene down there for
0: like south siders there is like if you go towards like 100 the hundreds like by mount greenwood and that area there is uh like a bar scene like down western and like the hundreds there's a there's a definitely a scene down there but I was going to say that I went went to a bars. I think it was Illinois Bar and Grill on 47th on the south side. And I was like, yeah, can I have a, you know, I think it was a, some kind of Revolution beer. Uh, revolution is a, a brewery in Chicago. But um, I'm like, yeah, I'll have one of those. And they're like, that'll be three bucks. And I was like, wait, what? I'm like, is it on sp- Sale is it a special? She's like, No, that's the regular price. I'm like, Holy shit, they've been overcharging us on the north side,
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: so yeah, even a can of beer would be six, seven bucks, so, right? So, I, I, uh, when I was when we were gonna pay, uh, oh, the, no, the the our the person that was serving us, um, I felt like it was at the end of their shift, so I was like, Hey, can we? pay you out and you know tip you before you leave and um she's like no the 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 tip is going to be included in your 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 final bill and i'm like holy shit like there's such bad tippers on the south side of chicago that they have to to they have to include it in the bill (laughs) i thought that was hilarious but i mean the south the south and southwest side it's it's a lot of like working like uh, middle class, lower middle class families. Um, and I remember when the Bulls were winning all those championships, um, we would have to go to the north side to celebrate because like the south side, it was like nothing was happening. Everybody was like in bed to be at work in the morning, you know and oh. that that always that always tripped me out. And like I said, as, as I said earlier, it's like Chicago's north side and Chicago's south side. It feels like I go, My mom still lives in Little Village. Um, she has a store uh, that sells like Mexican artisan Mexican like merchandise. Um, um, Artesanias Elena, you should check it out uh, sometime. And whenever I go to visit her for whatever reason. Um, I feel like I'm in a different city because I've lived on the North side, um, for, it's going to be, I don't know, like six years now, five, six years. And that's another thing that I don't think people that don't live in Chicago get to see or understand is that the, you know, the South and the North side are completely different places. Um, I mean, there's, there's people that leave their bikes out in front of their house here in the neighborhood. And you would not be able to do that on the South side of Chicago at all. <laughs> people are, I, I don't want to like paint the whole South side as like, you know, not being friendly, but you really got to watch your back on the South side of Chicago. Um, not like on the North side of Chicago. I mean, you still got to watch your back, but it's a, it's a completely, um, different city and um, so i mean what do you so you're gonna go back to mexico in a few weeks um and you got a baby now <laughs> um, yeah her daddy's in puerto
1: vallarta so i got a little
0: chicana baby <laughs> <laughs> and I, I i've noticed that your spanish is really good man like i i mean susie my wife her spanish is very good too but I, I, that's one of the things that, that I think is pretty neat the fact that you, you know, you dove headfirst into like the whole Mexican culture. You know, I think that's pretty neat. Um, and do you? Have, I, you know, you can. I think you can. No, maybe not. I was gonna say I think you can get dual citizenship, but I think.
1: Well, not for, not for me, but for her. That's yeah. Doing the paperwork for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only benefit really is that she'll be able to vote. Um, I don't know what more comes with that in, in Mexico. I think. I think I, yeah.
0: Anything. I think property ownership too. No.
1: I'm not sure. I got to investigate all that. Yeah, but yeah. We're trying to give her as many opportunities as she can in this life, and having parents from do, two different countries, I think. This is going to broaden her horizons and her view of the world. Yeah. And her dad doesn't speak any English. And he's never been
0: to the U.S. So I'm excited. He's from Puerto Vallarta? He's, well, he's from Manzanillo. Oh, Manzanillo. oh, I've been to Manzanillo. Yeah, I've been to Manzanillo. That's cool. Yeah,
1: we visited all his family there in March. and uh, But he's been in Puerto Vallarta most of his life. And hopefully we're, he's got his visa appointment coming up and if he gets it approved, you know, I want him to see this side of her life and where where I come from. And, you know, now that I have that in mind and, and know that he doesn't speak English. So he's nervous about coming to the United States, coming to Chicago. I'm like, dude, like at least a third of Chicago speaks Spanish. And even like when we're up by my mom and wheeling, you go to like the Walmart here and like, half of the people are speaking Spanish and a lot of, I mean, as, as we know in Chicago, a lot of the people behind the scenes at some of these service businesses that we go to are Latino. And it's, I think that's a beautiful thing about Chicago and that it is so mixed. I mean, we do have our neighborhoods where, you know, your Pilsen Mexican population and the South side African American but you also have your Polish and your Italian and this it's such a mix of cultures almost everywhere in this city Um, I I always notice that when I come back from Mexico because Mexico is mostly or Puerto Vallarta is mostly nationals or tourists and most of the most of the tourists are from Canada or the United States so I come I get off the plane even at O'Hare and I'm like whoa look at all these people
0: all right, all right. No, I, I, I've, I've totally experienced that myself. I remember, um, being in Mexico and thinking. Like in Chicago, you like you mentioned, like there's uh you know Mexican neighborhoods, you know Polish neighborhoods, and in Mexico it's just a Mexican neighborhood, you know, especially like, in what in Guadalajara, like, I remember. um us being at a like a, a flea market outside of uh, Guadalajara in a place called uh, Tonala I think it's called and they would yeah. have they would have like a weekly uh, flea market and I remember looking around like looking for my brother um, and my brother's he's six four you know he's a tall guy <laughs> so I remember looking around all I had to do was look around and I spotted him but one thing I noticed that other than that was that there was a black guy, an African American, there too? Like it was like the the two tallest people in the whole, basically the whole town, and one of them was yeah. my brother, and the other guy is some like you know African American tourist guy, <laughs> and it was funny because, like, like just noticing that, and I didn't I didn't notice it before that, you know, but. You know there is no neighborhoods like like concentrated neighborhoods of anyone like it's just all mexicanos you know nationals in mexico and yeah when i when i would get back to chicago i mean something simple as driving past a a bus stop and you see like you know you know four or five different nationalities right on that bus stop you know and i think that's another thing about chicago that i mean i've lived here my whole life but i feel that people don't see that that Chicago is a very rich mix of people and nationalities and and I think it helps shape us you know who we are because um, there's people that you know you know grow up in the suburbs their whole life and they come to the city and it's it's almost like a shock like a culture shock of how like diverse it is you know and I think, I don't think that people outside of Chicago don't really get that. And again, you I know, mean, I've lived here my whole life, so I don't know any different, but yeah. And I think uh, we've got a, 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 to wrap it up. And um, I guess, uh, do you have any like websites that you want uh, people to check out? Or what's your Twitter handle or Instagram Um
1: Yeah, Yeah, I've got my website for my grown-up music. It's S-T-O-L-I-E. S-T-O-L-I-E.com. I've had that website since 1996. Wow. (laughs) Wrote the original HTML for it. (laughs) Um, Cool. Yeah, I had my website before I was really doing gigs, I feel like, I created it in college. And then for kids, it's superstolie.com, and all my music's on Spotify, Apple Music places cool yeah yeah, that's the best place to to go to get to know me and no this was this has been a really fun reflection on the music industry and my path specifically through 20 years in a big city and you know the cool thing is like i said a big city always presents new opportunities so whatever sort of business you have or Whatever sort of subculture you want to get into, it's there and it's always morphing and there's always new things to find and new restaurants to try.
0: Yep. All right. Well.
1: Now, now I'm missing it. Now I'm sad that I moved out. Don't
0: <laughs> no, put that in it. Cut, cut that part. <laughs> no, we're keeping that in. <laughs> uh, but yes i really appreciate um you coming on to do this and and for being my guinea pig with my first facetime podcast interview and i hope um people learn not only about you but about chicago and what chicago has to offer and i really appreciate that thank you stolly you're welcome thanks for
1: having me all right good luck with your podcast is anything live yet have you edited and
0: yeah, there's three episodes up. You can... I'll send you the feed. Oh, okay. uh I got an RSS feed, so um, I'll send it over. All right. Well, thank you. Cool. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> hey, yeah, so that was Stoli, super Stoli, very interesting person, I had to have on the interview, on the the podcast, and I hope you enjoyed it, and remember to um, follow, subscribe, and um, give me five stars, and uh, next week, Wednesday, we'll have another interview, all right, bye-bye.